First of all, church, I want to thank you so very much for the way that you've responded during our simple Christmas emphasis. Part of the challenge was to look for people that you could bless, that you could um, invest in their lives and, and make a difference. And I've heard so many stories of how you have blessed and loved others. And many others picked up the, the challenge of um, being the aroma of Christ and simply sharing in practical ways with, with refugees and with the homeless in our city. Um, and, and I know even today people were asking for more of the shelter cards. We've given out over 180 so far uh, of those for people to have a, a night's bed and a shower and a meal. And we're working on getting some more and we'll try to make that an ongoing outreach of the church. But also, um, though I don't have more of the cards today, uh, last week we gave out some socks and some other practical things. There's more socks and toothbrushes and simple things that you can give to those who are living on the streets as a simple way of sharing the love of Christ with them and to begin to form a relationship. You know, these are, these are individuals that God loves dearly. And we have the opportunity to be Jesus' hands and feet. And so thank you for what you were done, have already done. And I just want to encourage us to get bolder and bolder and see how God's going to use us in this next year. It's going to be amazing. All right, well, today I, I want to look at this passage of Scripture in Colossians chapter 3. And I want to challenge us to think about our direction to think about where we have come from, where we are headed, and how God might want to redirect you and I in the upcoming days, weeks, and year. So as you look back over the past year, are you where you want to be? When you think about over the last 12 months, in your heart, in your character, in any aspect of your life relationally, where are you? Are you where you want to be? Are you where you thought you would be? And from that, what would you like to see change in your life? More importantly, what do you think the Lord would like to change in your life and my life? I want to challenge us to honestly ask that question. Because if we're going to see life transformation happen, it begins by putting our heart open before the Lord and saying, Lord, would you examine me? See what is there and show me what you need to change and transform. I believe Colossians chapter 3 may be the most practical chapter in all of the Bible for living out life transformation in Christ Jesus. The whole theme of, of Colossians is our life in Christ. You, you will see that phrase, in Christ or in him, repeated over and over again all through the book. But in chapter three in particular, it gives very specific instructions about what it means to follow Christ. And I wanna challenge you to, to spend some time meditating on this chapter. We're gonna look at more of it next week and then we're gonna begin a new series. But uh, if you'll spend some time in there, I can almost guarantee you, in fact, I'm gonna be so bold as to guarantee you, it will make a huge impact on your life. This passage of scripture, Colossians chapter three, was the first passage I ever memorized. When I was 16 years old, um, my, my mentor, my boss, at the electrical supply house that I worked at in high school, 
um, he challenged me to memorize this chapter. And every morning before work, we would, we would work on these verses together. And I can't tell you the difference that it has made in my life. That was almost, almost 40 years ago. Man, I'm old. It was a really, really long time ago. And, and yet God has used those verses over and over again in my heart and my life to guide me as a man, as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, and as, just as a follower of Jesus Christ. It has been one of the greatest investments I've ever made. And I want to challenge you to spend some time there as well. And it all begins with some very important instructions. Rindy read the verses for us, and I just want to point out a few words as we look at that. Maybe we'll put them back up on the, on the screen. It begins with an if. If then you have been raised with Christ. And by using that if, what he's saying is, is really is since or because you've been raised in Christ. But he's asking it as a question which is really important because it makes us examine whether or not our faith is real. If I've been united by faith with Jesus Christ, then there are some things that are true that will lead to life transformation, to me becoming more like Christ. And that's what he's beginning with, with that if. And then the next thing, instruction he gives, is simply seek. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now, those are incredibly important instructions as well, because what we're told to do is if we want to see life transformation happen, we need to seek God's perspective over every aspect of our life. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is already on the throne. He's already in control. He is already working his purpose, his plan, his will. If we miss that, we're going to miss the great resource and the great comfort of knowing that God is in control of our life and that he has a purpose for us that is incredibly good. So he says to seek God's perspective. And then it goes a little farther and it says, set your mind on things above. Now, this is really important. I'm going to illustrate this in a few moments um, using... Um, a, a, uh, an illustration that comes from, from our homeland in, in rock climbing, but this setting of our minds is the foundation for every decision we need to make. He says, set your minds on things above. In other words, make your decisions based upon God's purpose and plan and not just the pursuit of earthly things and a reaction to circumstances. When you set your mind on things above, it will determine the direction and decisions of every aspect of your life. Here's a truth we need to hold on to. is every day you and I make decisions that impact our lives right now and determine our future. Now we know that, but so many of the decisions we make are really just reactions. They're not intentional. We don't realize or think about the impact and the consequences of those decisions, of those choices. But when we begin to take those to the Lord and we set our minds on things above, in other words, on His agenda, it changes everything. The truth also is that you and I are one decision away from changing our life forever, for good or for bad. Maybe you think back over a mistake that you made, a poor choice 
that you made in your life, in a relationship, or at work, and the impact, the consequences that flowed out of that, how it changed every aspect of your life. Or maybe, more importantly, it was a good choice, a good decision, and you can begin to see the fruit that, is, that God has brought forth because of that choice. We often think that it's really only important to seek the Lord in the big decisions. Where should I live? What job should I have? Who should I marry? Um, those are all important life decisions. But the life decisions that we make, ultimately, they will flow first out of the small daily decisions we make on a regular basis. If we begin to take those small decisions to the Lord and begin to allow Him to evaluate where we are and, and direct our path, it will change everything about us. And, and here's the great thing. Your life will become an adventure greater than anything you ever imagined. It really will. You see, God doesn't want to just have you get by and to get through another day, another week, he wants your life to be so united with him that you're an intimate part of his purpose. When we look at the example of Jesus Christ, this is what we see him living. And here's the thing. When I look at Jesus and I see him out of the pages of scripture, the last thing I think about is that Jesus was ever, ever, ever bored. I mean, life was full all the time for him. His conversations, they had significance and meaning, even the most ordinary things, even out on a boat fishing. I mean, even in the scriptures, when he's sleeping, I mean, God's doing something in and through Jesus when he's sleeping in the back of the boat because a storm comes up and the disciples are going, Jesus, dude, how can you sleep through this? Don't you know we're dying? Everything about his life accomplished the Lord's purpose and everything was significant. Now, if that's true for Jesus, it's true for us as well, or at least that's how he wants it to be for you and I. And so we often think about the big decisions, but rarely really think about the small ones. But change is a choice. It is not just a response to circumstance. Change is an intentional decision to redirect the trajectory of your life. Now, Maybe a good illustration, it's an old illustration, um, but I have here a compass. And um, we don't use compasses very much anymore because we have Google Maps and GPS and all kinds of other resources and tools, but it's still a pretty good little tool um, for you to use, especially if you're in the back country. Now, on my compass, uh, there's 360 degrees of the compass that it's marked off on, and, and these degrees are very, very close together. I mean, 347 degrees and 348 degrees are pretty close on the compass. But when you begin to project the trajectory of being off by one or two degrees, it begins, as you go farther and farther, to have much greater consequences. The same is true about the decisions of our life. You see, what God wants us to do is make choices today that will change the trajectory of our life to becoming more like Jesus. And if you would face this year and not make a New Year's resolution except for this choice, Lord, show me a way to move my life one or a few degrees closer 
to being like Jesus. Because you see, Jesus is the destination. He is the true north of our life. Now, if I was to, to use my compass here, I know that right back through here, right at Carol, Carol is right there. Raise your hand for a second. He is due north, just so you know, from, my, from right here. He is the north, right there, okay? And so if, if I'm trying to direct my life and I'm headed this way, then I want to begin to make decisions that are drifting my heart and my life more and more this direction so that I can become, be following north. And that's what we want to do spiritually as well, is we want to make decisions that bring us into alignment with God's purpose and plan for everything that he has for us. Because every decision that you and I make sets a life decision and a life direction. And it is direction, not intention, that determines our destination. And here's what I mean by that. Oftentimes, we will, we will make excuses for our choices by, by looking at the things that in our hearts and our minds we think we really wanted to do but we didn't make decisions that actually moved that direction. See, sometimes the regret that we have in our life is because we didn't stop and truly evaluate the decision and see whether or not it was going to lead us in the right direction. God in his word gives us all kinds of instruction about the choices that we make. He tells us this in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 through 20. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days. That is such a powerful statement. And it's what's reflected exactly in Colossians chapter 3. Because Colossians chapter 3 goes on to say, Christ who is your life. He's repeating the same principle that God gave in the Old Testament to the people of Israel. God is your life. Therefore, he is where you are going to find joy and satisfaction and direction and meaning for every aspect of your life. And the more you seek him, the promise is the more you will find him and the more he will direct your path. So if you're to start out a new year, this is the place to begin. To say, Lord, how can you move me this year closer to you so that the decisions I make reflect who you are and who you want me to be? So today's a day to choose, to think about our life, to look back upon the wise choices maybe the foolish choices, maybe the regrets that we have. I don't know about you, but if you look back over the past year, is there a decision that you made that you regret? In the midst of that, can you look and examine what could I have done differently? And when we do that, not to be guilty, but to bring course correction for the future. Do you recall a decision that you made that you're thrilled that you made? A choice about um, obeying the Lord in some area of your life, taking a step of faith. For some of you, maybe that choice was coming here, was coming to, to Prague. 
And God has just begun to show you what that's going to look like and how he's going to use this place to impact your heart and your life. Our decisions are important because ultimately they have a huge impact. For every person, these things are true. Whether you're a believer and follower of Jesus Christ or whether you've not yet chosen to do so, these four truths are a reality. Our thoughts choose our actions. Therefore, what we think about is incredibly important. Our repeated actions choose the habits or direction of our life. Our habits forge our character, and our character ultimately defines our destiny about how we will live. Now, the ultimate choice that we make that defines the ultimate destiny is what we will do with Jesus Christ, whether or not we will choose to trust in him. That's why Colossians begins with, if then you have been risen with Christ. It's asking whether or not you have a real faith relationship with him. That's the most important decision you and I could ever make. But it is in our thoughts and in our decisions that ultimately the direction and destiny of our life is determined. That's why even the smallest of decisions are important to the Lord. If you stay on the trajectory that you are currently on, if you stay on the same path where you are, where will it lead you? In your life, spiritually, relationally, financially, physically, what will be the impact of you staying where you are? For some, maybe you're on a great course and, and, and God's encouragement to you would be stay the course, keep going, keep doing the things you're doing. For others of us, there may be things that he reveals where he says, you know, there's, there's a degree or two that this year I wanna see be redirected in your heart and your life. Because ultimately, we want our lives to leave a legacy of faith, of intentional choices that impact not only ourselves, but our families, our friends, and impact the kingdom of God and draw people to faith in Jesus Christ. So what's the key? And it's simply this. The key to making right decisions, I believe, is this. Only say yes to decisions that lead you in the direction of becoming more like Jesus. Think about that simple statement. Only say yes to decisions that lead you in the direction of becoming more like Jesus. Now, that's not usually how we approach decision-making in our life. Oftentimes, what happens, at least in my life, is there'll be something I want. It may be an, an object. It may be a new, a new iPad, whatever it, whatever it is. And the way that I will look at it is I'll be, begin to weigh the pros and cons, the benefits of it, whether or not I can afford it, and, 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 and I'll look at that information. And that can be important and good, but there's a deeper level that I want to look at. Because what happens is I also can do that in some of the sinful things that I want to do. And I begin to ask questions about things like, what's wrong with this decision? And as I begin to ask what's wrong with that decision, I begin to make excuses and justify what I really want rather than what perhaps God wants for my life. 
It's very different to ask the question, will this make me more like Christ, than to ask what's wrong with this decision. Very, very different, and it's key. Colossians chapter three, verses nine and 10, gives us, fleshes out that aspect. It says this, seeing that you have put off the old self, that's your old nature, with its practices, and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of the creator. Now, now here's what's so important about that. What he's saying is that where you're going to find life, where you're going to find transformation, where you're going to find renewal is in getting to know and choosing to follow Jesus. In becoming more and more like him, that's where life is found. The key to life change is not a new diet or getting a new job or beginning a new relationship. Those may be things that we should do as well, but they are not where transformation happens because the only transformation that can change us from the inside out is knowing and choosing to follow Jesus Christ. As he becomes more and more of our life, it radiates then out of us into every other decision and aspect of our life. So in every decision that you face, big or small, simply begin to ask this question. If I say yes to blank, will it lead me in the direction of knowing and becoming more like Jesus, or does it have a potential to lead me farther away? That's a simple little question, but it's incredibly important. And if we begin to apply it into our life, think about the mistakes that we would have missed, how things would have been different if we had asked that question more often at points in our life. And understand, this is not about about guilt over past sin or mistakes. God wants you to be filled and renewed with the very life presence of, of him every single day. He's already taken care of your sin. If you and I are in Christ Jesus, then Colossians chapter two tells us that not only are we forgiven, but the record of our sin is nailed to a cross and it is taken care of. The legal um, ramifications, the legal consequences of our sin is done. Jesus nailed it to a cross. So he doesn't want you to feel guilty. He wants to give you life. And he's telling you and I that where life is found is in becoming more and more like Christ, in knowing him more intimately. He's taking care of the past record. Now he wants to direct your life and my life. In psychology, um, there's a debate that's raged for um, generations about what determines who we are and the choices that we make. Is it nurture or is it nature? Are we the product of our environment in which we are, we are raised, or are we the product of genetics, of the DNA code that has been implanted into us? And obviously, there's some crossover and impact of both. But I believe that ultimately what drives our life spiritually is made up of three things that somewhat parallel those two, but not quite the same. As humans, there are three great influences over our life. 
that determine the choices that we make. Number one is our dreams, the things that we desire to be. From, from your youngest age, you had within you some idea of what your life would be, maybe about what kind of job you would do, the kind of person that you would um, be um, connected to, your, your spouse if you, if you were to get married, um, or the friendships that you want to have, the dreams that you had where you wanted to go to school, and that, those dreams began to develop, and they're important because, you see, a part of that dream within us is a part of God's imprint on your life that He made you in His image and has a plan and a purpose for your life. But our dreams have a tendency to get corrupted by our selfishness, by our pride, when we do them all on our own. But our dreams are an important part of determining our direction. Also, our sin is an integral part of the choices that we make. You and I have a sin nature. It unfortunately defines a lot about us outside of Christ. The selfishness and pride that is within us tends to drive us. I know when I look at my own life before coming to Christ and even, even still part of the battle, I used to be really ambitious at work. So much so that you know, I would be competitive with other people because I wanted to get ahead. I wanted to, to be impressive more than others. That came from my sin nature. Yes, I had a desire to be successful, which was, was good, but not the aspect that was driven by my sin. The third aspect that drives us as human beings is our wounds. You and I, much of what we decide, much of who we see ourselves as, has been defined by what others have done to us. Maybe as a child, as a young adult, broken relationships that we have gone through, the wounds that are there have left a mark. And oftentimes individuals will, out of a desire to protect themselves, will make decisions that come out of their wounds. Now those three things are the three things that God asks us to give back to Him to give our dream and our plans to Him, to trust Him to take care of our sin, and to entrust Him with our wounds, to allow Him to work healing and forgiveness in our heart and our life so that we can be free to be who He created us to be. And it all begins by seeking the Lord and setting our minds on things above that is where the decisions that determine our destiny and every aspect of our life are found. So ask God, give Him those things. Give Him your dreams. Give Him your sin, your brokenness, your idols. Give Him your wounds. And ask Him for the wisdom to transform you and change you to make you more and more like Christ. He is the architect who knows everything about you. And He is the one who can bring about change. So let me use a, an illustration to kind of put this all together, I hope. Now let me read Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2 again. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above and not things that are on the earth. 
Here's what he means by that. When he says, set your mind on Christ's perspective, it's like a mountain climber driving a piton into the side of a cliff. Okay, this is a piton. I don't know. How many of you have ever been rock climbing or mountain climbing? Okay, both of us. Excellent. All right, so just use your imagination. We've got a, we've got a giant cliff right here, and you and I, our life pursuit is to climb that cliff. You were made to climb that cliff, okay? Now, some of you are scared of heights, and you don't like this illustration at all. Just go with it, or pick something else that you can make up in your own mind. But trust me, it's a good illustration if you'll go with it. Setting your life direction begins by anchoring in above, driving in an anchor that is going to be the rock upon which everything else in your life is supported. That's what he's saying when he says, set your mind on things above. He's saying, I am the thing you can count on no matter what else happens. I am an anchor that is driven into the rock that cannot be removed. Every aspect of your life will find its security when you are anchored, when you are set in me. That's what he's trying to teach us and say. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6 says the same kind of thing. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. What he's saying is, if you will connect every aspect of your life, every decision, relationally, your career, your finances, um, your physical nature, your wellness, everything about you, if you will connect that into the anchor of Christ and set your mind on his plan, on his purpose, you're going to be secure. You're going to be able to ascend and climb heights that you never dreamed were possible before. He is that one point. And then look at the next part. Verses three and four. For you have died. In other words, your sin, your wounds, all the bad stuff about who you are has died. But your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. This is one of the greatest promises in all the scripture. Here's part of what it, what it means. And I'm going to use the illustration, another climbing illustration. Here's what it means. It means that you clip in your identity into Christ. And you take that carabiner. Everybody know what a carabiner is? I know it's not an English word that... that Maybe, maybe gets translated, but it's that climbing clip that hooks into an anchor so that you'll be able to ascend or climb up the face of the cliff. It is what connects you to the anchor. And what he's saying is who you really are, the thing that is most true about you is already 100% sealed and hidden in Christ Jesus. Your true identity, the deepest, most important part of who you are, he says, is hidden in Christ. It is in the most secure vault ever imagined in all of the universe. Now, that should tell us something really important. This means that God cares about who you are. He doesn't want you to be somebody else. He doesn't want you to compete and compare with other people. He made you, you. Now, just, just like me, the you that you are now is corroded and corrupted by sin, but the real you, 
who you will be for all eternity, your identity, your passions, your desires, your hopes, and your ultimate dreams, those are all hidden safely with Christ right now. Um, Becky usually gets nervous when I do climbing illustrations because in Colorado, when I would do this, I would hang from the ceiling if I was preaching this. And she always got a little nervous because one time I did it and stuff started falling from the ceiling and it wasn't, it was a little scary for the people in the seats. Um, but if you, if you climb, what makes a difference is who that person is on the other end of the rope that is holding on to you. The person who's there to belay you, to be your source and your security. I did a sermon once on a, on a similar subject and I used my son Micah um, to belay me, only I didn't tell him when I was going to jump, and, and I jumped, and he went up. It was really, I came down, and he went up. Um, it kind of ruined the whole illustration that I was trying to make at the time, but we have someone who can hold all of who we are in Christ Jesus. We are able to stand secure in Christ's identity over our life when we clip into him into who he says you are. You see, many of us, our identity is so affected by the scars and the wounds of our life that we're not able to truly be who God made us. You're limited. But when you place all your trust in not what others say about you, but what in God says about you, you are free to thrive in your life when we clip into him and make him our true identity. Because he will never let us down. He will never betray us. He will never let go. He will hold on to you and I with all that he is. The greatest power in all the universe says your life is hidden with me. But here's what's more. It's not only hidden. It says, but when Christ will appear, then you, the real you, who he created you to be will also appear. That's what it says in verses, verses three and four. All that you ever dreamed to be, God's gonna put on display and say, look at them. Because they're gonna be a reflection of his glory. Now, it's not about us, it's about him, but we get to be a part of it. And it's absolutely amazing. When the promise is when he appears the second time as king of kings, you and I who place our trust in him will be there, but not broken and sin-scarred, the shell that often describes our present experience, but the fully renewed, made in the likeness of Jesus, you, that contains your deepest identity, hopes, and dreams, that you will appear with him and will bring glory to God and be surrounded by the brilliance of his goodness. Now, if that's true, if that's what he says in his word right here, then I want to live based upon that truth and start practicing it now. I want to make decisions in my life that make me more like who I'm going to become in Christ Jesus, because that is where I'm going to be the most me. I know that sounds really self-focused, um, and, and there's... Um, Throughout history, there have been different theologians who've talked about Christian hedonism, where we ultimately find our greatest satisfaction when our greatest delight is rooted in Christ Jesus. And I believe that is absolutely true. 
the thing you and I are looking for most is Him. Because He is what will make everything else complete. And says, I'm going to present you new. But not only that, the book of Revelation tells us that you and I get a new name, a brand new identity that is absolutely perfect and unique. He says this in Revelation 2, 17. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on it, the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. It's a name chosen by God himself for you that reflects who you truly are. He says, that's what I'm going to reveal. I want everyone to see the real you as I see you with all the worth and the value. He gives us a new name. So we're to set our minds on his purpose, on his agenda. We're to clip into Christ as our security and as our identity, and then we're to choose to live in the likeness or in the name of Jesus Christ. This is what he says in verse 17 of chapter um, 3. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. To do something in his name means I do something in his character, in his likeness. And God has designed us so that we really can have everything that we do, the most ordinary thing that we do. When you go to work um, in the upcoming days and you, and you sit at your desk or you, you're, you're driving your vehicle, whatever it is that's, that's absolutely the ordinary thing, you may think it's no big deal, but it's an opportunity for you to bring glory to God in the way that we work, in the conversations that we have, in simply um, the dedication we have to do well, all those things can bring glory to God. Along with the conversations where we're intentionally sharing with others about what it means to have faith in Christ and what he's done for us, when we're gathering together in worship, every aspect of our life is meant to bring glory to God, and it can be done in the name of Jesus when we choose to ask about every decision, will this make me more like Christ if I make choice A or choice B? In every decision, only say yes to that which will make you more like him. Because here's the thing. You and I were designed for a great adventure. But here's what happens. If I'm to use my cliff um, and climbing example, Many people will put their, tra their faith in Christ and they know that somewhere up in heaven there's an anchor and God has them secure and there's a rope that's come down and they're connected to it, but they spend their life on the earthly floor level. And it feels like that rope that you're attached to is actually somewhat limiting because it'll only go so far. But it wasn't meant to take you this direction God intends for you to ascend, to come and become more and more like him, to climb into the very presence of the Lord in everything that you do. So how do we apply that? How do we make all this stuff that I'm attempting to say relevant? It begins by determining what direction you want your life to go. What will you choose? Where will you go from here? 
And I simply want to ask you a couple of questions in closing. What one decision can you make today that will change the direction of your life spiritually? One decision. For some, that decision is trusting Christ as your Savior and Lord for the first time, beginning to put your trust in Him. For others, it's beginning to get into His Word, to immerse yourself in His Word. You see, if we're renewed by the knowledge of the one who created us, we have to get to know him. And he has given us his word so that we can discover what he is like, what his plan and his purpose is. And so for you, the greatest decision that you can make that will impact your life and the trajectory of where you're going over the next 12 months is to begin to spend time in God's word. Out in the foyer, we have some some scripture guides that can help you get a great survey of the Bible reading a small portion each day over over the course of several months, and you'll get an overview of the Scripture. Maybe you have a different plan that you want to use, but I urge you to spend time in the Scripture. For others, maybe that's already a practice that you do. You've got a devotional life. And what I would challenge you to do is to begin to meditate on passages of Scripture and memorize them because it will bear fruit in your life that nothing else can do. Because it's one thing to sit down and read a passage, but when it's memorized and inside of you, the Holy Spirit will stir it up at the moment you need it. When you're thinking about thoughts, when you're tempted, when you're trying to make decisions, He will bring back those passages to mind and it will give you direction to make the right choices. For others, maybe the decision you need to make is, becoming intentional in your prayer life, joining a small group, beginning to serve. But what decision can you make that will change the direction of your life spiritually? In the same way, what decision, what one decision can you make today that will change the direction of your life in becoming more like Jesus in an area of obedience or faith? Maybe there's something that you know the Holy Spirit is prompting your heart and saying, I want you to do this. Will you trust me with this decision? Will you obey me? I want to encourage you to write that down and pray that the Lord will give you the wisdom and the courage to do it. Because if you do, next year when you look back at your life, you will see how God changed the direction of your life, how he met you, how he met your needs, how he blessed you and encountered you in ways you had never imagined. What one decision of obedience and faith can you make? In the same way, maybe maybe you want to think about decisions you can make in your relationships. Is there one thing that I could begin to invest in my relationship that would change the direction of my relationship with a friend, with a family member, with a spouse, what would it be? Same kind of thing applies to us physically, and I would say financially, but I really prefer the word generosity because God doesn't necessarily intend um, intend for us to be financially wealthy. There's no prosperity gospel, but he does call us to be generous. And so, For us as a family, making sure that we were out of debt wasn't a conviction about being financially secure. It was a conviction about being able to be generous with what God has given us. What decisions does God call you to make today?
that will guide your life and change the direction of who you are over this next year. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, I, I pray that you would overcome or just the inadequacies in being able to communicate it clearly and you would speak to hearts and minds. And Lord, that we would make choices that change the direction of our life today. Lord, you are our lighthouse. You are the one who lights our path and sets it before us so that we can follow you with all that we are. Would you speak into the hearts and minds of each and every person here? And Lord, may they find joy and adventure in following you. Lord, light up our paths. Lead us so that we can follow you with all that we are. In Jesus' name, amen.